Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome, or actually it's morning now, good morning and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm JJ Jank. I'm your host for Brain Power Up, and our topic today is making money the social justice way. And our leading lady today is Becky Mollenkamp with Feminist Founders. Good, good morning, Becky. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, for our audience, Becky is an ICF certified accountability coach who helps feminist founders reclaim their time and headspace so they can run equity-centered businesses without sacrificing success which is the big thing there, without sacrificing success. All of that means she cares deeply, doesn't love conflict, but is deeply invested in learning how to engage in it, and she's passionate about helping others find their power. Um, and so, Becky, I actually, you know, I think I mentioned I had looked at your website a little bit, um, and I, I saw this quote, and, um, and you had said, today I live with far more ease. I do work I love when and how I want. I set boundaries, ask for help, and tend to my own needs and wants, and I act in full alignment with my values always. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Like how did you get from what you were doing to um, founding the Feminist Founders? Yeah, I'll try to do the Cliff Notes version because it's a long journey. But <laughs> my background is actually journalism, and I spent 20 years in newspaper writing and then magazine editor and eventually doing content marketing. And then in 2010, the first big moment happened that shifted the pattern, the trajectory of my life, which was that my brother died of a heroin overdose. And that was the thing that was Mm. sort of my wake up call out of doing work that I was good at, but didn't really love and being Mm -hmm. in a marriage that, that looks good on paper, but really wasn't fulfilling. And so I went on a journey over the next few years of um, really getting to know myself for the first time in my life in my 30s, asking, what do I want? What do I want my life to look like? What kind of work do I want to do? And that eventually brought me towards coaching in some form. And that evolved over time as well, because it started with me thinking more along the lines of personal training and and fitness coaching, Mm. and eventually moving towards business coaching. And then that has shifted on its in that journey as well because my business coaching now looks nothing like it did when I first started. And it's really now all about values and equity and social justice. Mm. And that really started in 2014 when Michael Brown was murdered in St. Louis a half a mile from my doorstep. And oh, that wow. helped me sort of into the ways that my own feminism was very much sort of white feminism, very white centric Mm -hmm. through my own view Mm -hmm. and opened me to learning more about intersectional feminism and really incorporating that into my work over time. And that is what brought me to where I am now. And last year I finally was like, you know what, all I really want to do is talk about these things. (laughs) And this is the stuff that matters (laughs) to me. And I really want it to be my business. And so I went from it being sort of a component of my business to being what my business is, that it's absolutely the, the, 
foundation for what I do now is that I want to work with people who also care deeply about equity and who want to do business differently, who don't just want to recreate the capitalist wheel for themselves and, you know, go, you mm-hmm. know, often we go to work for ourselves thinking, I don't like working this nine to five. And then we recreate it all for ourselves as our own boss. And <laughs> right. so I'm really here to help people check out of that and, and get in touch with how do I want to run business? What do I want it to look like? That's nice. Yeah. So it sounds like, it sounds like you're really helping people be intentional about what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, so often the people that I work with care really deeply about equity. They care about human first kind of businesses. And yet when we really Mm -hmm. sit down and look at how they're running their business, they are the last on their list. (laughs) They are still prioritizing everyone's needs, but their own. They're prioritizing money above their own needs. They're prioritizing sort of everything above what actually matters to them. And that can be hard to confront, but doing that work can change everything when you start to say, no, I'm going to really put people at the front of my priority list. And that doesn't mean that I'm here encouraging people not to make money. We need to make money. Money's important. That's a reality. Right. And there are many <laughs> right. ways to do that that can shift with, hey, let's talk about what you need first. And then how do we make the money suit that? Instead of it being, how do I make the money? And then how do I twist myself into knots to like make that fit into my life? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it does seem like you know, there's so many people out there that, like you say, they really do want to have an impact, but it's just, you know, you get into doing the business and then you're so busy servicing the clients. And, um, and I, and I don't know if you experienced this when you were like starting off as a coach, but I feel like coaches especially kind of have this, you know, somebody wants them to kind of help with this one thing. So they do that. And then somebody else wants them to help with this other thing. And so they kind of do that. And so they're really, you know, kind of reacting to their um, their clients as opposed to um, as opposed to you know really thinking about what what the work should be. Yeah, and I mean, I'm really there to take a holistic view with my clients of their business and their lives, and I'm a coach in sort of the true sense of the word. Not and there's there's no shame and people calling themselves coaches. It's an unregulated industry. Anyone can call themselves right. a coach, but coaching is really a skill. It's not, um, mm-hmm. it's not consulting. It's not strategy. It's, it's about holding space, helping people come to their own understandings for themselves of what they want, not telling people what they want or how they should do it. And I really show mm-hmm. up that way. And so when you show up in that sort of true sense of coaching, then you are putting your client's needs first and you're taking a holistic view. It's not just let me laser focus in on how do I make more money as a coach. It's really about looking at how does that fit into everything that you say you want, how you show up. Let's examine the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I had gone to a panel, I don't know, like an HR panel. I want to say last year. Yeah. I think it was before I moved. And, um, and and most of the panel ended up being about like the difference between coaches and consultants and really what the difference was, was that coaches don't give you the answer. So you don't give your clients the answer, but you help them sort of realize what the answer is based on them. Um, and I call myself a consultant because I will tell people what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think both of, both definitely have their place. I think there are many times, especially right. when 
I don't have the answer because I lack the knowledge. I need a consultant who specializes in that area to come in and say, here's the best practice. This is, I know this, I've studied, I've learned, I understand how to do this specific thing. And coaching is really more for the bigger picture. I mean, I work with CEOs. They're visionaries. That's why they're CEOs. And so they're Mm -hmm. able to cast a vision. Now, how they execute that vision and the specific skill sets or tools and things like that that they need to make it reality, that's where consultants and strategists come in and are beautifully paired with coaches. But coaching is really about that bigger picture piece of let's back out and talk about what it is you actually want. What is the vision that you're holding, right? What do you know intuitively about how you're going to get there? And then where do you lack the knowledge? We can help identify the areas where you need outside help through a consultant or a strategist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and before I forget, I'm just going to ask you real quick, um, if any, if, if our listeners want to reach you after the show, what's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, just go to my website, BeckyMollenCamp.com, and there's a link right there to book a free call and we can chat. Perfect. All right, and now uh, we're going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. Uh, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all our sponsors and partners. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to Brain Power Up. And with us today is Becky Mollenkamp. And so um, we were just talking about the differences between coaches and consultants. And you were talking about how, um, you know, consultants do fit into to the coaching sometimes, um, you know, kind of depending on what the client needs. Um, and then I had mentioned that I subscribed to your, to your newsletter, which is Feminist Founders. And so how did you decide to create that? Yeah, that was, well, starting earlier in 2023, the beginning of 2023, when I decided I want to make this notion of equity the heart of my business and not just a piece of my business, I knew that mm-hmm. I wanted to start having more conversations with founders and owners that were out there really walking the talk, that are running businesses differently, really thinking about these bigger picture issues and how they affect their business. And what better way to get people to talk to you than having a podcast, right? Because they're willing to show up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so I was able to start having conversations with women I admire, folks I admire who are doing things differently. And having the podcast was really just an excuse to make that happen. And so it started pretty selfishly as just a personal passion project. And then it wasn't long before I realized the impact that it could have because I was in more and more rooms with business owners who very much share the same values as me and felt really alone in that. Not that they didn't think there were others out there that also cared deeply about social justice, but they were trying to do business differently than capitalism teaches us felt very right. isolating, very scary because it's like mm-hmm. there's this, this mis- misperception that if you want to do things differently, basically you're saying, I won't make money. And that scares people off, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. You can absolutely make money and good money and still do it in a very ethical way, in a way that aligns with your value system. And so then I realized, ooh, this podcast is really helping people see themselves and feel less alone and less afraid and willing to try some new things. And I love community. And so from that, I was like, I really want to create more community around this. And so I mm. learned 
known about Substack and was kind of excited about this idea of um, approaching my marketing in a different way. And so I decided just to kind of go all in and say, let's let's start this newsletter and see if I can't bring people in through that, partially to serve the mm-hmm. podcast and the newsletter each other, and then also hopefully find clients as well. Um, but then by the end of the last year, I started to realize the more I was leaning into this idea of doing market marketing differently, the more I was like, I don't even really want to market me. <laughs> like I want to center myself <laughs> from the whole process because I love doing everything in in collaborative and or collaboratively in mm. community. And yeah, so, yeah. And now I have a vision of growing the newsletter beyond just sort of a newsletter. I want to see it become, I keep telling people, Forbes meets Bell Hooks. Like I want it to be the media resource (laughs) for people who are running businesses and care about social justice. The place that's like, if you are one of those people that someone will say, oh, you must read Feminist Founders. I want it to be a go-to destination. And along the lines of that, I don't want it to be just my voice. And so I'm bringing in a lot of guest writers this year and expanding it quite a bit. And it's been absolutely beautiful and gratifying. That's great. Um, Yeah, you said so many great things. And I'm like, oh, which which one did I want (laughs) to... ask you about um yeah I kind of love like I'm I'm having honestly I'm having a little bit of I can I can see where you're going but like the juxtaposition of the two of them the Forbes and the bell hooks <laughs> yeah is really <laughs> my but, my brain and, you know you maybe it's just because it's Monday morning but <laughs> where do you go though as a business owner who wants to learn more about business wants to see stories about running a business about other business owners, but you don't want it mm-hmm. to be just through that white male capitalist lens. I mean, there are a lot of mm-hmm. other publications and things out there that are geared towards women, but my vision of feminism is intersectional, which means that it's not just yep. cishet women, right? They're under right. that umbrella all, are all sorts of folks who want to be identified, who want to be seen and want to see themselves in stories. And also many of those female-centric sites that are out there that are business sites are, yeah, they're talking to women and they're by women, but they're actually just replicating much of what is, has been created by men in capitalism. They're recreating Mm -hmm. a lot of those Mm -hmm. capitalist norms, sort of just saying that instead of men getting it all, women should get it all or women should get more of it. And my whole thing is I want to change the game. Like, I don't think, I think the game is rigged. The game is flawed. And rather than trying to beat them at their game, I want to say, like, what does it look like for us to say, what's a new game? What's the game that we want to create that is actually more um, fair and equitable to all? Uh, And so for people like that, there isn't a lot out there to to be able to read. And so I know that it's a little, (laughs) yeah, and it feels like a bit of an oxymoron, but I hope to create something that people say, oh, now I get it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, I, well, I guess, yeah. So another thing that you were kind of talking about was community. And I, you know, I, I had talked about our, our networking group um, with this podcast called Connected Women of Influence. And so, you know, creating a, in a tier in, in Southern California, we're kind of creating a community of women entrepreneurs, but it is, it is kind of hard to find those communities, you know, and um, intersection. I mean, I'm glad that you explain what intersectional feminism is because I know not everybody is familiar with the term, but um, it's one of those things where like everybody should be, but isn't. (laughs) 
Yeah, I do think there's a lot of confusion about what that means. And my own feminism was not intersectional for a long time, like I mentioned, because it was that awakening Mm -hmm. to racism and what the role that I play in that as a white person in my own unlearning. And intersectional feminism just meaning that we honor all of the various identities that make us who we are. And those go beyond Mm -hmm. just our race and our sex, and they include our gender, our sexual identity, our ability, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole lot of things. And so honoring that we want to recognize that everyone's made differently and that we all have different barriers and challenges, privileges, and how do we create a system that um, recognizes that and allows everyone, regardless of any of those things, to have um, an equal opportunity, which is different than saying we all have to have an equal amount, right? People will start to compete right. with communism. <laughs> but it's saying, how do we all get yep, equal yep. support? Um, and then what we do with that from there is is still up to us, and it doesn't mean that everyone has the same amount of, you know, things at the end of the day, but we all have an equal chance at getting those things. Right, yeah. I, I, I kind of, yeah, I mean, I didn't go through the same journey, but I did um, kind of have the same thing that originally it was, you know, pretty much just white feminism because I'm white and mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened. And um, and then later, you know, through, you know, kind of reading and, and um, getting involved in things like on campus when I was in college and all that stuff, you know, I, it started to turn a little bit. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because it's just every, as you say, everybody has different challenges and everybody's got different privileges and um and making a space for everybody you know it's it's kind of, it's kind of you know when we were when we so a little bit about the human brain because I can't help myself um we were growing up on you know is a is a species and we we're on the on the savanna you know I mean basically in what we did what homo sapiens did really was most of the time we were just hanging out with our tribe. Like we didn't, you know, we weren't sitting in front of screens and we weren't, um, you know, trying to make millions and billions of, of dollars. I mean, we were just, you know, we go hunting, gather some food. And then when we were done with that, we just kind of hang out with the, with the tribe again. Um, so our brains really weren't, you know, they're fantastically adaptable. So they've adapted to all of the um, technology and consumerism that, you know, capitalism has brought us, but, that's not really where our brains are happiest. Um, and our brains do like to collaborate because that's how we, that's basically how we survived as a species. Um, yeah, and I, I love that you mentioned that because also a big part of it is rest, which capitalism does not yeah. advocate for <laughs> and is super important. I, I love the book Rest is Resistance by Tricia Hersey and recommend it to all of mm. my founders because we have to learn how that's part of running a human first business is a business that is honoring our need for rest and incorporating that into what mm-hmm. we do because we are hardwired to actually spend a lot of our time in rest and leisure. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and you're right. There's really not that 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 much of that going on um, with 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 I, I I call it toxic capitalism. Um, and do yeah. you have any kind of um, you know any any tips or any ways that founders who are um, you know interested in this stuff how they can sort of start to opt out of some of these toxic capitalist traits um, while still being successful? Well, the first thing I would say is look at where you're getting your information from. So really think mm-hmm. about who are you learning from and what are what are the kinds of things they're espousing? Are they 
focused on you as a human first, or are they leading with money? So much of what we have out there is, you know, people talking about, here's how to 10X your revenue. There's nothing about, are you Mm going to 10X your happiness inside of that, right? I think looking for people who are (laughs) focused on you first and then money, again, money's important and there's no shame in wanting to make money. We all need to, but it's about how are we incorporating that into our activities, right? Are we putting that first above all else at the sacrifice of ourselves or not? And so I think looking for who are you learning from and how much are they centering you is a great place to start. I think also analyzing for all of us who have worked for someone else, who've worked inside of toxic capitalism, maybe inside of corporate America, mm-hmm. look at the things that you didn't like. What were the things that you hated that made you want to leave corporate America? Because most of us go out on our own because of, bad experiences like that. And we think, I don't want this. I know there has to be a better way. And then really get honest with yourself about the ways you're recreating that. Did you hate having endless meetings and now you're making your staff have endless meetings? Did you hate (laughs) having to be, you know, tied to your computer from X time to X time? And now are you doing that to yourself? Or did you hate the fact that you had no freedom in the middle of the day to go out and, you know, do your grocery shopping? And now you're never doing that. You're finding yourself always doing it on the weekend and wondering why you're fighting the crowds and you're self-employed, really get honest with yourself about what it was you hated about corporate America and look for the ways that you've been recreating that for yourself and really interrogate whether they have to be that way. I think um, C.D. Harkwell is an amazing feminist scholar, and she was the first guest on my podcast, and she said that feminist businesses are inherently creative, and I absolutely agree because we have to get creative. We have to step outside of what we've been told, the way we've been told things have to be done and really challenge them Mm. and say to ourselves, is there another way? Could this be done differently? Because the answer is almost always yes, but we just buy right. into the notion that we've been told, no, this is the best practice. This is how it has to be done. And so it does require creativity to break these molds, but it's definitely possible. And it starts with recognizing the ways that you are recreating it and then getting, allowing yourself the space to be creative about how to change it. And that often means listening to different voices than the ones who are telling you there's this only one right, right way of doing something. Yeah. Well, I like, I like that, what you said about creativity. Cause I, you know, I talk about creativity too, cause our brains actually do like to be creative. Um, you know, that's something that brains actually enjoy. And if your brain enjoys it, then, you know, you're probably going to be a little bit happier because your brain's like, Oh, we're doing something fun. I'm going to release some dopamine. This is great. But I find that a lot of people, you know, when they hear the word creative, you know, what they think is, oh, well, I can't paint. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, particularly I can't paint. Like, I really can't paint. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel that. Or they think about if it was like writing or something. And and actually I do, you know, I do write. But, you know, the point is that creativity is a lot more than just like painting or writing or composing music. That creativity can be your business as well. Well, and I'm just talking problem-solving skills. Let's remove the word, I mean, creative problem-solving, but we can just remove the word creative and just say problem-solving skills. If you're more of that left brain person who's very much like, um, you know, let me, I have a problem, how do I Mm -hmm. solve it? I'm just saying, how can we explore, open up the possibilities for how we solve a problem, right? It's just saying, is there another way I could solve this problem? Can I allow myself to step back and see this problem and through new eyes, (laughs) Maybe you need to get out of your usual, again, that's why I say 
think about who you're listening to. Maybe challenge yourself by listening to someone that's outside of the box for you, but really think about how can I step back and just look for other ways to solve this problem? Because I don't know any CEOs who aren't really great problem solvers. That's why you end up in a CC or why you end up starting a business because you are a great problem solver. And so don't buy into the idea that there's only one way to solve any problem because that is really honestly rooted in white supremacy and it's not true. There are many ways Mm -hmm. to solve any problem and we just have to allow ourselves the freedom to say, I'm going to try a different approach. And also I think part of that then is going into things with that sort of scientist mind and scientist spirit Mm -hmm. of saying, I'm going to allow myself to try and Mm-hmm. learn when it, if it doesn't work and then iterate and change. And we do that in so many things, but often with very common problems like marketing or something, we start to think that there is just this one way of doing it when that's just not true. And so go in with an experimenter's heart and try new things and see what works and what doesn't, what feels good and what doesn't. Uh, and you may discover mm-hmm. there are plenty of other ways to attack a problem. Right. Yeah, especially when it when it comes to marketing. Um, yeah, and I like that you know kind of experiment too because it, it, you know when we're when we're kids we're always taught that like failure is bad, right? You know when you come home with <laughs> with a bad report card, you know you get yelled at, your teacher gets mad at you. But you know the the flip side of that though is when you're an adult and when you're running your own business, you actually have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out and, you know, maybe it works and maybe it doesn't, you know, and, um, and a lot of the tech that comes out is built out of this kind of, you know, agile kind of project management where you go for a sprint, you put out your minimum viable product, and then you let the market tell you, you know, if it, if, if they want it or not, or if they want improvements, but it's this kind of idea of, yeah, I'm not. I'm not necessarily just going to go down the entire road and build a whole thing and then find out nobody wants it. You know, I'm going to get something out there. I'm going to test it. And if it fails, well, now I've learned something. And what yeah. do I do the, yeah. <laughs> the next time? Yeah, I love the idea because I think the idea of failing forward, <laughs> but if the word failure right. is too charged for people, then that's where it's like, let's just right. reframe it because failure is only failure if it feels like it's a failure. If you're in it to say, no, I'm going into this to experiment, then it's, I'm testing a hypothesis here. It's not failure, mm-hmm. it's information, right? So exactly. it's just saying I'm receiving exactly. data, information to learn and then iterate. And when we just do that simple but not easy work of reframing <laughs> things for ourselves, it can change everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was kind of intrigued earlier to go back to what you had said earlier was that you were kind of going down the, um, you know, kind of let's say the physical fitness coaching and then you kind of turned that into business coaching. So how did that, um, because that is, I mean, I get that they're both, you know, kind of coaching, but that is a shift. So how did you, how did you kind of work through um, that decision? Well, I was still doing freelance writing while trying to figure out what I wanted to do for coaching. And so Mm -hmm. I was moving towards the online space of figuring out as everything changed. I'm old enough that when I started my journey in journalism, we didn't have the internet. Um, And so Uh I was, you know, going through this process of what does it look like for me to find clients online? Because I had never really done that. My clients had all come through in-person connections, but I moved and was in a new area where I didn't know as many people. So I was thinking I need Mm. to figure out how to do more online marketing. And then I sort of became enamored with online business and really loved 
the freedom that I felt in it and the empowerment that I saw happening with so many people who had historically been marginalized and had challenges in starting a business. There's so many issues around funding and, you know, racism and sexism mm-hmm. and funding. And the online mm-hmm. space really opened markets up for people who maybe in the past wouldn't have been able to start a business. So I found it really empowering, really freeing, really exciting because it was new and fun and challenging, you know, that same thing of like challenging. And so I knew it was something I wanted to do. And with the coaching skills I had developed, um, I was like, well, maybe I could do business coaching. I quickly realized that the, what I was doing then was really what you're doing, consulting and strategy, but I didn't have the expertise to be doing that. I was still learning about online business myself. <laughs> Who was I to be teaching other people? And that is a deep problem I find in the coaching and, and consulting right. spaces. There are a lot of people that are the same sort of offender that I was back then of just being like, well, I'll teach people without really knowing what they're doing. Um, and so that's where <laughs> right. I started to feel a disconnect fairly quickly, but I was loving the piece of getting to work closely with, at the time, mostly women in helping them feel mm. more empowered about making money online. I just wasn't the person to mm-hmm. teach them the how, but what I was realizing, right. realizing was my role is part of helping them see themselves in that, to see the possibility for themselves. Gotcha. And so it sort of started there and then evolved into like, now I work with clients who are much farther along in their journey. Most of them are generally, they're hitting somewhere around a seven figure revenue, maybe even eight figure revenue. And they're at a place gotcha. of like, thought this would get easier, but it's not. And I'm really feeling like I'm going to burn myself out and maybe I should quit. Yeah. And that is where yeah. I love to then help them with that next level of that journey. First, you have to see yourself in being able to do it. Then you reach a place of having right. to be able to see that there's a way to do it that doesn't have to like kill you. Right. <laughs> there's a way to do it without burning out. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and as you know, you know, we're kind of similar on that, that we both believe in, um, you know, figuring out how to do things so that you're not burning the candle at both ends so that you do have time to spend, um, you know, with friends and family and doing the hobbies, the, the things that you love. Um, yeah. And so still important. making profit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Doesn't, those things don't have to be mutually exclusive, but I think we've all been made to be afraid that they do, right? That we can't have yep, it all, exactly. quote unquote. And like, if we're going to make money, then we have to burn ourselves out. Or if we want to prioritize ourselves, right. then we can't make a living. And that's yep, then we can't untrue. make any money. <laughs> right. It's yeah, exactly. Untrue. And if you don't believe it, listen to my podcast because I'm featuring all kinds of people who are navigating those waters and figuring it out. And they're making money, they're making changes in the world, and they're making sure that they and their team and their community are cared for. That's great. Well, I think we're just about out of time here, so thanks for a fabulous chat. Um, and and again, just in case our listeners want to reach you after the show, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? You can go to beckymollencamp.com, and there's a place to book a call with me there, or you can always like connect with me on Instagram and send me a DM. Perfect. And and um, so your feminist newsletter is really your kind of flagship thing. Did, were there any other upcoming events that we should know about? Uh, no, I mean, if you sign up for the Feminist Founders newsletter, there, I host monthly feminist forums, feminist founder forums, which are really wonderful, intimate discussions about issues that we don't always talk about, but we care about as business owners. And those are free to pay subscribers or $10 if you're not. So you can check those out on my website. Or if you become a subscriber, you'll get more information. Perfect. Well, that is our show for today, and I'd like to say thank you to Becky Ballenkamp for being our leading lady, and a special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, because we are an international show. 
We'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio show, Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and have a great and brainy rest of your week. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.